looking out for number one, California, here we come, right back where we started from. Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton, driving down the 101, California, here we come, right back where we started from, California. Where are we and what the hell is going on, bitch? Welcome to the OCD, the show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated primetime soap of the early aughts. The OC, I am your host for the evening, and what a very special evening it is. We all have the blackest of ties on, because it's that kind of affair. I'm your host, Mike, and with me is always dressed to the nines as Ryan. Yeah, I tried to come in with like an off-black or a charcoal, um, but you... You didn't just say no. You ripped the tie from my throat and threw it on the ground and stomped on it. And I knew, so I had a backup and put on blackest of midnight tie back on you. And this is, you don't wear ties often, and so I should have just been touched that you finally put one on when I said it. But it was slightly off black, so I said, no, 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 no. You can have none of this. Yeah, and I mean, so now I'm wearing what I think would be called black, but I can't touch yours. Yours is, like, you can stare into it. And see the future. Like, that is that is a dark-ass tie. Yeah, it's basically somebody, like, chipped off a piece of a black hole and put it around my neck. Mm-hmm. And then, you, yeah, you were like, yeah, please let me wear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know how superpowers start, and this will either kill me and everybody around me, or I'll become the greatest supervillain to ever live. Yeah, what do you do if you receive, like, a, like a small bow tie size shape of a black hole? Like, what is the actual use for that? I think probably like just tax reasons, right? Okay. Nobody, everybody, if you have one, you throw it in your basement. You don't do anything with it, but you got a giant tax write off now. You put it next to your giant dinosaur and very yeah. large penny. Um, and you either start fighting crime or realize you are crime. But let's say you were like a smart person. It feels like that it should go into some sort of like Mr. Fusion like container to fuel time machines or something. Yeah, time machines or at least just like. Uh, Never going away energy. I'm not a smart man, and I don't know what words are. Uh, like that bird, that birdie who always drinks. Yes, you take a black hole and you shove it in that bird, and then <laughs> shove he, it right up that bird's butt. And then he never stops drinking water. But he was also he was already never going to stop drinking water. So I yeah, feel like you've just wasted a stops. chunk of black hole. No, but now he really never stops. <laughs> okay, that's even if somebody like puts their finger in front of it and go, "Ha ha, I stopped it." Now. It drills right through their finger. They ain't got no finger more. That's black hole powered, baby. That's that's scary because all I want to do when I see something like that is stick my finger in front of it so it can't do its job anymore. I was once playing with a power washer and by playing, meaning I was punished so I had to clean the driveway and I was doing it in sandals and just really had to talk myself out of not putting it right up my foot because my stepdad forever had like a 20-minute conversation with me of how there's no way I should try to do that. First of all... uh. Being punished with the power washer is not punishment at all. It's fucking no, it's awesome. The best fucking grounding ever. You're essentially a water based Ghostbuster. Um, <laughs> number two, yeah, that you, was a cartoon for in the seventies, right? <laughs> the water based Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, you would have just like, what if all five or ten of your toes just flew in different directions? That's their fault. Why didn't they put make me put steel toed boots on? I was a teenager. Why would you not supervise me that whole time? One of the thousands of gross things about your feet, though, is that uh, your toes are connected to your feet with like um, basically rubber band type stuff. So they would have just shot directly back onto your feet. Yeah, I did uh, tie Stretch Armstrong to the wall of my house and shot him with a power washer. He was fine. So I would have done that very similarly. It's basically, yeah, you have Stretch Armstrong toes. And for anybody who doesn't know that reference, you're an idiot. Yeah, you're an idiot. Who wouldn't understand that reference? The biggest toy of the 
70, so of course it was my favorite toy in the late 90s. You got all the toys from the Goodwill, from that amazing toy section. Did you have one of those? No, I did not. I had things like video games and babes. Ew, that's not okay for kids. No, no kids should touch video games. Uh, Stretch Armstrong is, is filled with corn syrup. Stop me if we've talked about this on the show before. And a certain point, he ripped a little, so I ripped him all the way open because I was a destructive kid. Uh, I think a lot of the stories were that. And then it looked so sweet that I scooped some up and ate it, and it was delicious. So for months, he just sat on my desk, and I would walk by in and out of my room and just scoop up some <laughs> Stretch Armstrong cornstarch chemical and eat it like a little snack and like Winnie the Pooh off my fingies. God damn it, dude. <laughs> the, like... The deeper we get into explaining your chubby, chubby childhood, it just gets better and better. It, ma- it makes it definitely less uh, empathetic. I also, I'm less sympathetic the more I talk. Something pathetic, for sure. It's something pathetic. Um, when you're that age, and I'm going to hope it was a really young age. Um, 20. There's also that thing where you believe your toys are real. There's four movies that were made about it. And that's that. I think that was also a part of your growing up is you sort of got off on the fact that you were eating the insides of this in yeah. your head a live creature. As a kid, I was super uh, into my toys, thinking they were real, and I was super into Greek mythology. And I was always like, "Yeah, fuck Prometheus." I'd also time to a rock and let a vulture eat out his liver every morning. That's so weird because uh, as a kid, I was a skid. So I guess we did. Anybody know you by name? Nobody did. We had very different childhoods. What did you do to your own house party when nobody came? Uh, I crashed it. You crashed it? Yeah. <laughs> I called the police on it, and then we partied with the police. That, that's back when cops were cool. Yeah. These cops these days are not very cool, but back then, cops partied. That's when you could like uh, do donuts in the cop car, and they'd be like, get out. Nah, I don't care. Nah, we're all being super bad tonight. Ryan, it's obvious we don't want to do what we're here to do. Which is, uh, like, say goodbye to the second season of The O.C.? It's part three of The Dearly Beloved. Do you want me to... Should I just read the full paragraph again? It's been a long time for you and I. It's been a longer time for the listeners. Yeah. I don't know how that could be true. (laughs) In the season... I don't know how they heard it before we recorded it, but no. Go for it. Black Hole Ties, probably. In the season two finale of The O.C., Kirsten hits rock bottom after Caleb's funeral, prompting Sandy to finally take action by staging an intervention. Meanwhile, Jimmy Cooper returns to Newport and almost immediately renews ties with the morning Julie. But Haley's also back in town for the funeral. Trey's girlfriend, partner in crime, Jess, bullies him into participating in a drug deal with Garden Grovers and turns into a shootout at the bait shop. Also, Ryan finally learns the truth about what happened to Trey Marissa, leading to a bloody, mm, what you say, all that and more on tonight's The OCD. Ryan, Jimmy brings Julie coffee and donuts from 7-Eleven and asks to sail to Catalina for the day. And this is either, depending on the timeline, an hour after Caleb's funeral, or at the longest, the next day. Yeah, at the very, very longest. Uh, he waited till she was morning in the morning, and doesn't, doesn't have like a, I should be here and support you sort of tone about him. It's more of like, you know, I could put my dick back in you. Caleb's dead. 
He has fully embraced the dirtbag, I live on a boat and sail to wherever I live lifestyle. He does not wear shoes, not even sandals. Only the bottom three buttons on his white button-up have been buttoned in a year. But, I mean, it's it's not not working because let's remember that Julie is, you know, Julie does. an actual dirtbag. Um, not literally. That would be so weird if the show, she one of the a human ma- bag of dirt. Ma- main characters was just a bag of dirt. But um, he says, these are your favorite. I brought you your favorite breakfast, which is powdered donuts from 7-Eleven. And she, like the good riverside girl that she is, says, fuck yes, and is covered in <laughs> donut dust within seconds. It's the last time in 20 years that the donut dust all over her mouth and on her nose has been actual donut dust. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I need to start telling police that it's just 7-Eleven donut dust. Instead it's of, just donut dust, bro. <laughs> instead of telling them the truth before they even ask. It's just cocaine! It's weird that you run into the police station and scream that at them and then run back out. Uh, and Julie points out that they have not done a 7-Eleven breakfast in Seattle Catalina since before they were married. Which, for him to say, it's your favorite. It is like you, if you ran into somebody you knew when you were both 19 and said, this is still your favorite thing in the world, right? And you kick him. <laughs> Why was that their favorite thing then? Uh, so that's what's going on with those crazy kids. Who knows what will happen then? Uh, over in the Cohen's household, uh, Seth and Sandy are talking about what's been going on with Kirsten. And... When Sandy is like, you know, this is what we got to do. Seth's response is, she, I guess she hasn't been mom-esque lately. And Sandy, realizing his son's going for a lot, only says, that's true. Because <laughs> what are you going to say to a kid who says that? You're trying so hard to have feelings for other people. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, it's just going to end like we know it will. With Seth lashing out and blaming Sandy. Yes, because uh, Seth says, why can't we just ask her to stop? <laughs> His dad is like, that's not how addiction works, son. You'll realize that someday when you're dealing with your version of this. But hold on, Sandy. <clears throat> you just tried that like yesterday. You straight yeah. up said, uh, all right, I'm just going to ask you to stop. And Kirsten said, uh, okay. And then you thought it was over. So let's not, let's not go too hard on Seth with that one. But that's anybody who learns something. The next time they get their chance to, they rub the other person's face and dog shit 100%. they're so mean about it so that's the most realistic thing this show has ever done uh and so yeah he tells him he's like well there's this doctor from that place of the brochure he's coming we're gonna do an intervention and seth blames sandy for not telling him and he says how do i know that you didn't cause it a drink <clears throat> and then sandy and now his sympathy for his shitty son is gone. He's like, what, you want to run away and get in your fucking boat and sail away again? Don't do that. Whose fault this is, Seth? And Seth shuts down. God, it's so nice to watch uh, a a weapon hidden so perfectly in somebody's pocket just get unleashed all over someone's face. He waited a year. <laughs> And he waited for the perfect time, the day after his grandfather's funeral. In fact, Seth, mom's okay. Seth might be right. Maybe Sandy did drive her to drink just so they could be in this situation, just so he can pull that doozy out right on Seth's Say head. the best thing in the world. Uh, and as Seth runs away, not crying, Ryan walks in. He's like, if you want me to talk to him, I'll tell him you're doing the right thing because you are. I've dealt with this. And Sandy's like, no, I... I I'm kind of sad. I just said that thing. There's certainly, I could have said it at his wedding. I definitely could have waited longer for that to hit harder. Uh, And then we flash over to see what Summer and Marissa are doing. 
And Summer's coming to check Marissa, and she's like, let's get pancakes. And Marissa's like, yeah, fuck yeah, pancakes. It's all I've ever liked. And does a kickflip off the wall. And then Summer says, no, 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 no. Not until you tell me what's going on, because I know something's up. This is some best friend awesomeness. Again, holding back this secret weapon, which is not a perfect, pancakes. Per- perfectly delivered insult, <laughs> but has pancakes in her pocket um, and knows that in order to get this out of Marissa, she has to blackmail her. Now, let's be clear. Summer doesn't Summer's not like trying to get the hot goss here, right? She no. she knows that her friend is hurting. And let's also be clear, Marissa can just leave and get pancakes. Like Yeah, pancakes are easy to get. It's not like Summer shut down the city and now pancakes are a quarantine. Uh but also Summer's a detective and like Marissa starts to talk. Summer does fill in like every third word for Marissa. She's like, and then this happened. And then she leads the witness counselor. <laughs> like it's but when you know something like that, you have to actually know something like that before you're gonna have a brother Cain enable his other brother. I just I'm just glad that in that pancake scene, Summer stepped up to the plate and she was such a great batter. Um even though the scene got a little syrupy because they were in a jam and at certain points Summer did waffle back and forth between exactly how she was gonna talk about it. Um butter emails. <laughs> Are you French? Let's toast. <laughs> is that what you wanted? <laughs> Wait, like, are you making fun of me, or are you asking for permission? Like, did I do it? Can I be part of the Breakfast Club? Uh, back. We're just going snip snap between these two households now. Okay, uh, but Sandy, we're, we are officially ending the whole breakfast pun thing. Oh, we'll see. Okay, because you're baking me crazy. <laughs> okay, yes. Let's let's. Let, why don't we end it then? Uh. Sandy and Seth are making up, and and Seth, th- this is like a very white privileged kid's answer uh, response to all of this. He says, "This isn't supposed to happen to us. We're we're not that family." And, and Sandy, at this point, because he has gone through all, of it, he's like, yeah, "Every family's got their shit." And we do now remember that Sandy, I don't think had a good relationship with his dad, had a pretty horrible relationship with the Nana. Sandy, but he's yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was never home. Like, her addiction was... Oh, she died. Or he died, right? The dad died or left them or something? I don't remember, actually. He's a beat a bad or non-relationship with the father. Yeah, I, I don't know if they go into it, but... Yeah, uh, the Nana, mom as he called her, was, yeah, just never home. I don't know. There was no, like, abuse. There was no drinking, but yeah. um, he, she was just never there. Workaholic. And to make matters worse, if you're a little bratty kid, it was to go save other kids. You know, she yeah. she was like a... Social worker. Social worker. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she spent her time around other needier kids. But, like, sorry. Get Never ba- knowing how needy her kid was. Yeah. Ask your kid, how needy are you? Um, I think, yeah, the point about Seth's line that you said, I think, is incredibly important here. Um, because it's the way that people like this don't deal with problems. Um, because the surface is more... The, the surface looking good is far more important than fixing what's below the surface. And... For Seth to say, people like us, this doesn't happen to families like us. Right. He's not just saying good, close-knit families. He's saying rich families, white families. This happens to Ryan's family, right. not our family. And Ryan's very open about that. He tells Sandy, like, oh, uh, this happened to every single one of my family members and friends and every like everyone in the town. So this of is Chino's probably drunk. my fault. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I have reverse alcoholism, which means other people around me become alcoholic. He brought his Riverside drunk stink with him. Um, but yeah, like Seth is young and an asshole and entitled to shit. 
Yes. And tells Sandy he will not be able to help. He will not join in the intervention. Because... Which, as I've been told, I think it's Captain Planet rules. All her loved ones need to be there to make her go. Otherwise, the intervention will not take. Is that Captain Captain Planet needs all of his loved ones every time he yeah. needs to do something? Yeah, his loved ones, uh, heart, earth, fire, water, air. And it always has to be in September. Uh, as ha- So Haley and Kirsten have gone on this great spot. Uh, as they come back in, there is a room I have never seen in the Cone household that they walk into. It is like all white couches and gold pillows. It's like right in front of the doorway. Maybe it's once when Sandy comes home and the noobsies are doing something like preparing a party, but it is. We haven't seen this house in a year and a half or this room in a year and a half. Yeah, that's the room that uh, Seth came in and got his mom and said, I don't care. I'm skateboarding to the prison. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows how far away the prison is? So this would have been the pilot or the second episode. And then Kirsten just leaves a house full of noobsies alone as the host she just takes seth to prison she realizes i hate these people too yeah i'm out uh and then as they come in there's this just dude they don't know there and kirsten's very like oh hello welcome to my home and dr kenneth woodruff introduces himself and the intervention before anybody has like he doesn't say his name for it like he says his name and we're intervening you all in one breath hold up though before we get to that uh, I want to let's talk about how Kirsten spent her day. Um, at some point, Sandy and Haley, who is still in town, um, decide to gangbang Kirsten on this. Um, <laughs> Haley says, "Well, if my dad's dead, it should be a different family member gangbanging Kirsten." And so Sandy sets us up where Haley takes her to a spa all day, and yeah. so they can get it set up, and then brings her back, and the intervention's there, and to entrust. Haley with something like this. Like, Haley, you're going to go to a spa with your sister all day and you're going to sit on this secret? I think it's crazy and impressive, but very stupid. But also, if you send somebody away all day to set up, whether it's a surprise party or a surprise intervention, there should at least be a banner. There should be some sort of decorations. Like, it's just a dude is there now. Nothing else is different. She didn't be gone all day. To that guy, he's like, well, I got to come, pound my sexier I bring, and then I'm ready to intervene. So you think that they should have like been hiding behind those couches and jump out? Yeah, streamers, some confet, something. Or, yeah, right. no, noisemakers, but instead of going, yeah. they go, to show your disappointment. Yeah, it's because it's right. an anti party. We got to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to dive right into this very successful intervention. So Dr. Kenneth Woodruff introduces the intervention, and Kirsten's reaction is, what for? Why? What for, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just hard to put together. You know, they've only talked about the drinking thing like seven or eight times within the last two days. Um, she has embarrassed herself crazily at a party when she walked around. Uh, a party. <laughs> she walked around with a bottle of vodka. Not even a glass, Kirsten. Not even a glass. Not a glass of vodka. Um. So I guess maybe she's stalling for time because it's hard for me to believe that she doesn't know exactly what this intervention is about. Yeah. Is it because for Haley being my sister? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Dr. Kenneth Woodruff says, every person here wants to share their concern for you. And this is the classy response I've ever seen. She says, well, that's very nice, but not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> what if that worked? What if <laughs> Dr. Oh. Kenneth Woodruff... And I, I love how you and I forget 
Sandy and Seth's name, and we interchange Ryan and Seth all the time. But you have Doctor Kenneth Woodruff on lockdown. You it's know the shit out of that brain. guy's name. <laughs> but yeah, it's what if he just my brain? What if he just closed his briefcase and say, "All right, I'll see you guys later." No drunk has ever been this polite. You have lied to me, and you will see me in court. He takes everybody else to the facility because they're liars. The lying. <laughs> uh, and then when he goes, well, she turns off the polite facade, uh, instantly throws Haley's parting days right in her face. And it's just like, and I never did that. Well, that's just showing you're a bad sister. She's like, you were on coke. You're a blown dudes for weed. And I never said anything. And he was like, maybe you should have. <laughs> this is what we call... Uh, wounded animal, right? Um, <laughs> yes. Because once she comes to terms with what's going on and understands that politeness is not going to get her out of this one, she fucking tears down everybody. She basically ignores Sandy completely when he talks, and then Ryan start, just steps forward a little, and she says, don't you say a word. I let you into this house. Okay. And Ryan, a, a child deals with that very well. He like, takes it. You can see like the video game uh, Sonic assault hit him and he absorbs it a little and goes you did because my own mother couldn't take care of me and i can't let that happen to you too to to another person that i love to another person i love okay so while i i was watching this with you together sitting in chairs next to each other as we watch everything uh, i texted you for some reason instead of leaning over and i said i've seen this episode dozens of times and there are certain parts that I know I know are coming and hit me every single time. And this is the main one that I was talking about. Yeah, I, I could see that. I wanted to talk to you about this scene then as a friend. And <laughs> you jumped in and said, can't wait to hear about it on the podcast and not now. And then would not allow me to talk to you, which is fine. Well, uh, thankfully, that was yesterday. Certainly not six weeks ago. <laughs> but this, these two seasons bookended by these incredible Ryan and Kirsten moments. Or no, I guess the two season finales that we've had so far. Um, not bookended, but in each of the season finales, we have this crazy, dramatic Kirsten and Ryan moment mm-hmm. where in the first season finale, we have... She's finally like not just accepted him into her house, but into her heart. Mm-hmm. And she's changing the bed sheets in the pool room and fucking breaks down, right? Just sits on the edge of the bed and starts bawling. And then here, she... She like does not hold back at all. Like she is, she is uh, on the verge of screaming at him. And yeah, the way that he handles it, like you explained, like he should be the doctor. He should be Doctor Kenneth Woodruff. Um, and then for him to pull that line out of, I don't want that to happen again to someone I love. It's woof, it's 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 powerful. It's very affecting for you and I, and not for Kirsten at all. Or she just doesn't want them to see her cry. She about faces and is about to leave. And then Seth did show up. He doesn't say much, but it's Seth being there. He's not selfish. He's not dealing with his boat or his undone bullshit or his comic book. He's there for her for once in his life. And that hurts her uh, in a good way. He's just like, mom. <laughs> and then she's like crumbles and starts crying. and apologizes. She's like, I'm so sorry for putting you both through this. She does not apologize to Haley or Sandy. Just the boys. Yeah, so it's basically the uh, the one two three punch of what Atwood says, turning around and seeing Seth, and then them all hugging. Uh, it's hard to get through. Did you think when the camera revealed Seth that he was going to say, "I'm sorry, I just have to talk to Ryan about Summer real quick"? Yeah, <laughs> I have to see if Ryan she likes Bagel? me. Do you want to? <laughs> Does she like me? 
What did you think uh, of the reveal, though? Was that effective or cheaty uh, or cheesy when she turns around to leave the one exit that there and the camera does the big Seth reveal? Did you did you think that worked? Uh, yeah, it, it worked for me because I, I also thought he was selfish and was just looking for summer or sparkle magic or whatever horse's name. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did not think he was going to show up. Yeah, it worked for me. Are you saying it did not work for you? No, it's like I said, it's the one, two, three punch. Like, even if it is cheesy out of context or in a different scene, like, you just, you basically just get in the fetal position and get wailed on throughout this scene. I think if you watch only this episode, none of this stuff is going to hit you. But also, fuck you for expecting that to happen. Don't come in and make fun of your husband for being emotional, (laughs) let's say. Let's just say. Uh, back over at the the Cooper household, hours have gone by because they're back from Catalina, which is not a quick trip, man. <laughs> and, and Julie tells Jimmy that she feels guilty. And again, because he's full dirtbag bro now, he says, what, for smiling and laughing the day after your husband's funeral? Let's give it another shot. And I'm sure there's some dialogue in between those two sentences, but that's really how it comes off. Now, yeah, there's a couple things going on here. And I know that the speed of TV characters moves a little faster than real life characters, but Jimmy, you like you did so much to redeem yourself. I'm just talking to Jimmy Cooper here. Mike, yeah. you can tune out. All the listeners can tune out. Sure. Jimmy, you did so much to redeem yourself over like the last year or two, besides, you know, running away from your daughter. And you come back into this in just like hitting on every dirtbag level possible. It's so clear that he's in trouble again. Or he just wants the money that he thinks is coming. Like, there's nothing genuine about the way that he's acting. No, something, something. Maybe he just got out of another breakup in Hawaii. <laughs> like, it is crazy that he's going for Julie full court press and not Haley. Like, instead, they're like, we both moved away from here and we're doing great and move on from our lives. Yeah, I mean, doesn't Haley have a better shot at way more inheritance? Oh, for sure. If that's if that's the dirt bag thing he's going for not just easy poon yeah hasn't Haley like been a pretty good partner and not totally fucked him over a billion times but maybe he realizes she'd be furious that she asked him to move to Japan with him and he said with her and he said no 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 I have to be with my family then instantly moved away from his family to Hawaii which is halfway to Japan also I don't want to give too much away about the third season but Jimmy's not around for many episodes. Like he we're going to go through all of this bailing again very soon. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, I think I can see Jimmy and I'm not defending him here. Um I can see him uh taking on this Herculean task of wooing Julie because maybe he sees this phase as over. Maybe <laughs> Caleb's death and her growing a little bit means that the whole Noopsy, everything has to look right. good. I'm going to be in a soap opera phase might have ended. He's stupid if he thinks that, but he might think right. that. Because now she's, this is just her pattern. You're going to get the hills and the valleys of cool Julie and Noopsy Julie. But I, like, for the most part, though, this might be the end of evil, evil Julie. Like, I think that she's pretty much a protagonist for the rest of the series. That's awesome. If it was, if she moved away and we followed her and none of the other characters, I'm into it. I'm fine with that. <laughs> She's just in Seattle now. Uh, with so Frazier? With Frazier. It's just okay. her and Frazier hanging out. And Bulldog. <laughs> uh, so we haven't we haven't been to the bad side of Newport for a while, so we flash over there. Uh, Jess just like kicks Trey's door in with money, 
from the drug deal, I guess, she got out with it with all the shooting and says, let's go to Vegas. We're putting it all on black. Yeah. Uh, great plan. They're, these are some real fucking money geniuses. Um, the best way to get set up for their future is to... Because, Mike, Mike, why would you have only this amount of money when you can double it so easily? You know, Double it in a second. Why does nobody think about this? I feel like I if sh- you're not driving to Vegas, then you're wasting money. Yeah. I, I would. If you have that much money, fucking buy a plane ticket to Vegas. It is a fourth of the time and much cooler. Uh, she does say, well, we need a way to get there. I'll be back. I need to go steal my dad's Ferrari. Or I don't ride Denwood car. Some fucking nice-ass car. She's going to just steal her daddy's car because none of this money means anything to her. She's just in it for them thrills. Yeah, I mean, and again, I know I say this every fucking episode, every podcast that we've been dealing with Jess, but this is like a 17-year-old girl who is still in high school and (laughs) should probably graduate and is instead making drug deals upwards of like $15,000 and stealing Lamborghinis and ready to drive away with this ex-con. Well, I get it. I, I look at his lazy eyes, and I'm like, yes, that I would need to run away with you right now. He has two lazy eyes. <laughs> he has two lazy eyes. Just get a job with one of you eyes. Uh, before we take a break, back over at the Cohen household, Seth's just hanging out, and the doorbell rings. And he looks around, and he says, the way things have been going, that has to be Oliver. Now, this Which is, is the funniest thing Seth's ever said. This is a very famous line. Um, there was a rumor that Oliver was going to be in this episode somehow. Um, and nobody knows if that was just to like drum up buzz because at this point Oliver is cancerous has ruined the popularity of the OC just mentioning his name even if that rumor didn't exist at the time the delivery and the like and the dialogue on this this is like top 5 OC lines of all time yes and delivered so well it's it's one of the funniest moments uh but instead it is summer the door near tears and tells Seth immediately what Trey did and Seth is into like, oh, well, we're going to tell Ryan. <laughs> we're going to tell Ryan right the fuck now. Uh, and then Ryan, my Ryan, we do need to take a break. But when we come back, surely we're not going to move away from that plot line. What you say? Ryan, we are in fact not continuing with that other plot line. We are now in the rehab. And Dr. Kenneth Woodruff has to check Kiki's bag. Because apparently... He's heard about her smuggling ways and is like, no, 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 not in this house. Oh, yeah. This isn't protocol for every guest. The ways of Kirsten's vodka smuggling are known all the land over. Mm -hmm. And so he has to make sure that she doesn't have that little bottle of Smirnoff. And then when they're in the room, because Zandy's like, well, can I have some time alone to say goodbye to my wife? He's just like, oh, nice sheets. High thread count, which is the sandiest of lines ever. I think that if... You have if like any grocery store or liquor store or whatever ever sells one of those smaller bottles of vodka that like can fit in your purse, and the person who's buying it isn't doing it with change, um, I, you can immediately call Doctor Kenneth Woodruff right there. Yeah. Like you have enough proof right there that this person is an alcoholic. They better be sixteen or homeless, otherwise they have a problem. <laughs> uh Kiki finds out that she can't call home for 72 hours because detoxing, and apparently that includes detoxing from your family connections. Which is awesome. Like, there's a million reasons why I should send my mom to inter- or to rehab, but the number one is I don't get a call from her for 72 hours. That sounds great. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sad for both of you. Uh, so, back at the kids, Ryan thinks they're all just going to a movie. Because it's hard to let somebody know your brother assaulted your girlfriend. So it's let's go see the newest shark movie in IMAX. Uh, yeah, and they're all they, dressing up. They're wearing button-ups. 
Did you do any research on our world and how many IMAX shark movies have been made? Is there no. a lot? I'm sure. I mean, it's just the shark week, but on the big screen. <laughs> the biggest. The biggest screen. <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's this thing in their world where IMAX is just pumping these motherfuckers out. What, what's your relationship with IMAX? Um, I have. Uh, I saw the one at the Grand Canyon when I was at the Grand Canyon. Instead of looking at the, that's Grand a dumb Canyon. place for it to be. <laughs> yeah, it's the wor- the only place it should not be. What at the Grand Canyon? There should be the Marianic Trench to be like. This is the biggest one on land. That's the biggest one on sea. And I was expecting it for some reason. I made I like I I hadn't been in an IMAX theater before. Um, to be basically Star Tours, like uh-huh. it's motion and you 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 fly into the Grand Canyon. And when those motherfucking seats didn't move, and it's just a documentary about the mm. bullshit hole you just saw, I was upset. When I was growing up in Philly, the only place that had an IMAX was the museum. So I was like, okay, you're going to see cool stuff. I didn't know what drugs were yet, but internally in my soul, I was like, I bet this is what those feel like. Uh, and then when I got, it does feel like, it's probably the years, but it felt like when I moved to the West Coast, they're like, no, you can watch real movies on that. And I was like, motherfucker, what? But I... <laughs> He said that to the guy who works in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like. I think the only other time I've ever been in one, um, besides the ninety or ninety-five shark movies I've seen in them, was uh, I saw a Will Smith movie, like I Am Legend, mm-hmm. because it had a it had the first six minutes of The Dark Knight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yes, and I didn't know that until way too late. So I got a ticket. In the front row, far left corner, at a fucking IMAX movie, and I should have just left. Like it saw so much of his toe. <laughs> that's it. It's like that's a shitty seat for a normal size movie theater. Like I couldn't see a lot of the screen. Like it just went on for yeah. miles and miles, and I had no idea what was going on in that part of the movie. The, the only real movie I remember seeing in IMAX was Avengers: Age of Ultron, and it was at three a.m. showing because my friend who I was going to go with only wanted to see it in IMAX, so we went. I, I went to sleep, woke up, had a coffee at a shitty New York diner, and then went to a movie. The sun was not out, and when I got out of the movie, the sun was definitely out. And that's why I think I like that movie more than most people, because it was a weird fucking experience. Yeah, you were probably sleep high. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not down, you know? Like, no. I try to you know, make sure that all of my the ways, my methods of watching movies is at the utmost cinephile, dickhead, pretentious asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think IMAX is like... It's pretty up it's there on popcorn. that list. I think it's too popcorn. You're not going to see the Phantom Thread in IMAX. I'm I'm totally fine with a normal big screen. Yes, they are so big. Uh, so we're avoiding talking about this. So they're about they're on their way to the movies, and and Ryan's like, "Oh, did you get the tickets? We're going to get the tickets there. We meet the girls." And Seth's like, "So before I tell you, I need you to promise not to go all old school Ryan on me." And Ryan still thinks they're talking about IMAX. So he's like, "They're sold out." Now. You have to do something about this, right? If you're Seth and Summer, mm-hmm. you can't join that list of people who are just say, you know what? That sucks that she was sexually assaulted, but it's just going to be like, it's going to be make everything so weird if we talk. But I'm, I'm going to Sandy and yeah. that's it. Like, I'm not saying that they, is it, they is shouldn't it talk. Because Sandy's dealing with so much and they like cut those two lines out where they said that. Like, if I was Summer... I wouldn't go to Seth first. I would go to Sandy. Yeah, I like for sure. And Sandy and Summer, as we've talked about, now have this relationship where they can lock eyes at a party and talk to each other like adults. You know, Summer is now the adult of the kids. Um, but Ryan is 
going to get himself in jail. Like, you're actually creating a situation that was going to be really bad for Ryan. Well, Ryan's response, and Seth tells him what happened. Ryan says, all year, I've tried to be a better person. I can't do that anymore. And you're not exaggerating the, like, gruff superhero voice. In fact, I don't think you did it enough. Like, yeah. he, the camera swings in. Well, like it's some sort of IMAX for six minutes, and then it swings in, and then he delivers the best line in Ryan Atwood history is, I'm going to settle it with Trey once and for all. Yeah. I mean, this is th- – this shit is in an episode like this for trailers only. Like, if you're cutting the commercial for this week's The OC, and you come upon Ryan saying that, you're like, I'm done. I, I, I'm done. Thank you so much. Also – if you have a sibling, and at any point you have to say, I'm going to settle anything with them once and for all, you were never close with them. <laughs> once and for all means you've been waiting for this a long time. I'm, I usually just say the first part. With me and my sibling, I say, I'm going to settle this once. <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. Uh, over at Marissa is kind of having a weird, lovely day where uh, she sees Jimmy and Julie together setting the table. And she is weirded out how nice they're being together and more weirded out. That Caitlin is coming back from boarding school. Caitlin mentioned, guys, where's that button that we hit that have all the sirens go off? Because Caitlin has been mentioned. Uh, how do you think China's doing? Did she ever fix that alopecia? Uh, yeah, I think she herself fixed she her alopecia. She ate some colloidal silver, which is all you need to fix anything. I'm going to guess that the reason that we haven't seen Caitlin is because she's bald because she taped all of her hair to China. That's true horse love. Uh, so Marissa hugs Jimmy very warmly when he's like, we're going to give it a try. And then very awkwardly and then very sweetly hugs Julie. And you're like, this is, uh, the mirror moment to her being a bitch to Julie. And then be like, I'm sorry. But I, I love like Marissa sort of is good at like keeping secret what she's thinking. This is crazy. Good. Like, this is really good for me. My phone's going to ring in three, two, one. Like there can be no peace in the Cooper household. It's bananas that Seth would and Summer would tell Ryan before any adult. It's insane that Ryan would then take off, assuming in one of the four cars, and Seth would immediately call Marissa. That's the one person you do not call right now. Well, the the reason is, and I don't know, Mike, if you know, uh, like Orange County highways and byways, mm-hmm. but and like where cities are located, because that's sort of my specialty is knowing where all the cities are and the names of them. Um, but Marissa is closer to Trey's apartment than Seth and Summer are. Here's why I buy that. Because the way Seth and Summer... The way the Cohen's house is, I assume they're on Lido Island. I'm going to get real deep OC right now. And based on Trey's apartment, I'm guessing Costa Mesa, actually. I'm not I'm not thinking Newport. Right. Uh, and the way Summer's apart, uh, big giant mansion is, that's Crystal Cove, which is closer. So I'm thinking you got to do less twists and turns. Uh, and it is more of a straight shot there. Yeah, I think it's clear that, um, you know, I would say that Marissa's probably shopping at Fashion Island and uh, Summer may be more of a South Coast Plaza person. Oh! Uh, Trey Atwood is the lab? Is that where oh, he's he, shopping? He, he, yeah, he sells weed to the kids who work at Urban Outfitters at the lab. <laughs> well, I mean, like, what? where else is he going then? I'm trying to think of what... San, downtown Santa Ana? Okay. Which is very arty and cool these days. I love it. But maybe not in 04. 04, I think it was then. I think we just had scared white parents, man. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the deepest OC we've got. 
And the fact that we at no point in that conversation said the numbers four, O, or five, I think is very impressive. Uh, we're going to take the four or five to the five to the 55, and then you're at Disneyland. Uh, so Ryan comes in, and Trey opens the door a little, and Ryan like smacks in his face. Trey sprints toward the couch where the gun is. He doesn't know what's happening, but immediately he's like, Ryan's mad. I'm grabbing the gun. Look, I'm not one to defend Trey. That's sort of your job. You're, you've been the one all season who's been saying Trey has it all right, everything he does. Um, but I, mean, I got it. It's Trey cool. I don't. I don't think he plans on shooting anyone. I just, I just, he just knows how these conversations go. And <laughs> what if we just skipped it all? And Trey is the king of like, look, I messed up. I'm sorry. What do you want from me? Sorry, but it's your fault. Probably <laughs> dad's fault. I want to end this conversation. And having a gun is a good way to do it. A lot of times as the host of OCD, you'll make these shows run really long and I'm tired and I'm bored. And my cho- my only choice is to pull out a gun so you'll yeah. shut the fuck up. You just pull out a gun. You don't do anything. You just kind of tap the side of your head with it. I'm like, oh, man, we got to end. Otherwise, uh, he's going to shoot his fucking temple <laughs> off. I do love Ryan. Fa- he, he's this angry and he's this scared because there's a gun there. He does a fake walk away. No, no, you're right. This is crazy. And at, he fake walks out the door and Trey lowers the gun a little. And then he fucking tackles him <laughs> the minute it's down. Well, the first thing that you want to do is get away from the giant red barrel that Ryan's standing right next oh, to. Because yeah. if Trey accidentally hits that, it's game over. The whole over. apartment building is going. And then, yeah, um, Ryan starts jumping up and down to avoid any headshots as high as he can and then moves in. And the problem, I think we've talked about this before. It's a big deal with me. The problem with these, like, I'm going to walk away. No, I'm not. Is that when you turn around and you, you come back, the human body forces you to scream. Yeah. And I think that everybody, everything would be so much better for you if you just silently did it. It's scarier. Oh, that's th- much scarier. There's more strategy, but the body will not allow you to. My move is, uh, so I do the fake walk away when I know I want to tackle the person. I don't turn back around because I know that it ingests a scream. You know who doesn't scream? Divers. So I do a back dive towards them and just hit them with my pointy fingies then. I can't believe you think that divers don't scream. Every time I see them hit the pool, I just assume they're under the water screaming their balls All the water off. would go in their mouth. They would die. Do you think every diver dies? I scream out. Do you scream in? I scream in. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt. Divers, stop doing that. Divers, it is not good for you. So uh, they get into it so hard. And I assume, based on the rest of the season, that we didn't see it, but that Trey did a bunch of blow right before Ryan showed up. Because you don't go from... Hey, brother, don't kill me till I will kill you now. Uh, and Trey is like old school with the phone beating Ryan's face in. And then Marissa walks in and goes, hey, guys, stop. And then starts crying and grabs the gun and shoots Trey. And then the slowest blood through the thickest thermal and the OC heat. Trey looks shocked and then turns around and looks at Marissa offended he has been shot. <laughs> He turns around, <laughs> having been shot, and he's like, I said I'm sorry, goddamn it. Yeah, just the, the, the most, like, surfer bro, lip snarl, douche face of, what? <laughs> As he's dying. There is a clear reason why this is a cinematic classic, and this scene is one of the best movies of all time. We'll get to that in a second. But before we get to that reason, I do want to mention, I love, 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 love the close-up on the thermal with the blood slowly leaking out. So slow. It was like silly putty pushing through that. <laughs> And also just having the thermal. Like, that's such great close accuracy. 
Yeah, it, it's something weird for a very warm county. Not as warm as it is these days because global warming is real. But a very warm county. And people would still wear a thermal and then a button-up above it. Because they got to dress up. If Marissa put a bullet right through that shirt of trays, does that make it a thermal detonator? Yep. Okay, good. I don't know what you want me to do with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting a 10-minute bit about thermal detonators. And you just crushed everything I had prepared. Because <laughs> I agreed. Yeah, you know what? Let me put down my scroll. Because we're not doing th- scroll like, <laughs> don't look at me like that. I mean like the the paper with the wood things in it, not the alien that can ship shape shift. That's I do. I don't want no shapeshifters. My scrolls are evil, <laughs> and they're not here to stay. I, it's really hard for me. This isn't the case with Thanos anymore. So maybe it's a green thing as opposed to a purple thing. The but gen- it's it's really hard for me to not be grossed out and also like intrigued and want to touch run my fingers back and forth mm-hmm. on that rigid chin well it's definitely like the butt of a hippo or the <laughs> nose of a rhino it's definitely it's something the texture is are you writing just, scroll love poetry <laughs> just do a little molly and then just touch the shit of that scroll's chin oh man i think it, it might be close to that what was the thing that everybody had for a little while everybody decided to have a phobia where mm-hmm. it's like uh tiny holes with things in them what? Is that not ringing a bell? No. Okay. I'll find that and I'll show you off air because it's disgusting. But I have that with scroll chins. But it's not just that there's three ridges there. There's three lines that there's the four ridges. It's that they're also like bumpily and pimply. And you're like, I just want to rub all. I just feel all. Of it. It's like tree bark, but living. Yeah. Also, is shaving not a problem? Because if you want to shave, if you're a scroll and you need to shave, don't you just think, oh, I don't want my face to look like that. And then you just shift your, your facial oh, hair away? Oh, shifting. It's not facial hair. It's their weird fucking weird chins. No, I know that, you fucking idiot. I'm saying that the chins would, <laughs> the chins would make shaving very hard. Yes. But if you're a scroll and you need to shave, can't you just shape shift your face so it doesn't have facial hair anymore? Yes, I think you can. Which is why there's only been that one scroll with a goatee, and they all think he's a dickbag. Otherwise, we would see a ton of scrolls with little band-aids in each crevice. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. And I want to touch that even more for some reason. Uh, this is the reprise of Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap. The first time was the, showing up to Caleb's funeral at the Wayfair Chapel, and they bring it out again. Uh, and this lives. This is Even people who barely remember the show talk about this scene uh, and Imogen Heap. And I really do feel like she helped the OC, and the OC helped her just get fucking burned into people's memory. Yeah, I mean, it's... Even without all of the parodies that came later, um, this song like really made this thing iconic. You know, mm-hmm. like Marissa, ha- like holding the gun and firing like that shot, and yeah. having the gun like kick off the song. I think is it's up there. I, actually, no, it, it's got to be the most iconic thing from the show, right? Yes, I was gonna. Sure. Li- I was gonna list like Ryan carrying Marissa away from the car wreck in the fourth season or out of the alleyway in TJ. That's iconic if you watch the show. This is iconic if you never saw a second of the show. You still somehow saw this scene. You understand how hard it is for me to step outside of my bubble and think about <laughs> what the real world knows about, right? Yes, yes, I am. I, I also think uh, Imogen Heap now starts every show with that gunshot <laughs> and in the song, and it scares people these days. It is not cool, man. A little bit of advice. Nobody should be going to shows right now, but when you can, if you go to an Imogen Heap show, do not wear a thermal and sit in the front row. No, You're going to get fucking... you immediately. <laughs> And if she does, you're gonna get shot. If she doesn't do it, she can't start the show. So everyone's gonna be looking at you because they want to hear that music. Ryan, my friend, yes, my boon companion, my brother. 
Uh, that is Dearly Beloved. Season two. I can't believe finale. we did it. We did it. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's award season. What you say? Ryan, it is award season. What is your magical musical moment of the episode? Okay, so every time that we agree, we have to do a shot, right? You okay. a, a shot of each other's semen. Oh, that's worse. I've been eating a lot of pineapple, so you're welcome. <laughs> okay, I've been eating a lot of semen, so you are not. Um, yeah, it's we just talked about the most iconic moment in the OC history is when hide and seek plays over Trey's shooting. I'm going to go with that one, Mike. I'm going to go with that one as the musical moment of all four seasons. I am shocked, but yes, that has to be it. So I guess now we do a shot. Shot of jizz. And when I say shot of jizz, I do not actually mean semen. I mean, we listen to one second of the Cantina band. Yes. We go to Mos Eisley and we just take a real quick shot with the band. That is mine as well. Obviously, Ryan, what is your sandied wisdom? Um, I'm going to go with, we talked about this, I believe in dearly beloved episode one or two of our podcast. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it's truly terrible father-in-law. Heaven could use a few more McMansions. It's Sandy, uh, turning the eulogy into a Caleb roast and getting away with it in a way that Sandy definitely can. And you and I cannot. Uh, no, I, I think I, I disagree. I think at funerals and at weddings, unless you're punching people, everybody is so emotional that normal rules do not apply. If this is the birthday party, it would not fly. But people, you could just say what you want. People won't know what to do. Uh, mine is uh, Sandy asks Summer to get Seth out of the house and just doesn't say anything. He just nods toward Kirsten with her bottle of vodka. <laughs> He's just like... Mm-hmm. Summer's like, wait, what? Why? Why would you? Oh, yeah. Uh, is it because you hate him? I do too, but I'm going to bone him. Did you think it was weird uh, that after that, after Summer realized, she leaned, leaned into Sandy and she was like, oh, why don't you pour another one, Kirsten? <laughs> She's like, because of the show? The show that's going to come out in 15 years? Ryan, what is your orange couture? So typically our orange couture is the cutting edge of 04 fashions that the OC gave us. But I'm going to do the non-noopsy part of the OC. I'm going to do. There's more parts of the OC, and I'm I'm doing the thermal. That's mine. It is the thermal under the fully buttoned up bowling shirt. <laughs> You're gonna wear both for some reason. Uh, in 80 degree weather. Why? So cheers. Thermal. Yeah, cheers. Here's some jizz in your eye. Uh, why were the thermals such a big thing in Orange County in real life when it's never below you know 71 degrees? I I bet it was it was a big fashion somewhere cooler. Both temperature-wise and fashion-wise. Cooler than uh, Orange County, you shut up. And people started wearing it here. Or it's that like dudes were just so sweaty and didn't know what to do about it. They're like, what? so it's my choice. I choose to be this sweaty. I'm wearing a thermal. I was not from Riverside. I was f- what? from uh, a city that will not be mentioned because it's disgusting. It's really fucking shooting some jizz right now. <laughs> Man, this is a jizz-covered show. <laughs> This is like Caitlin's back in no wait, Kirsten's back in Caleb's dreams. I uh, and I like if you looked at what I was wearing at the time this show came out, it was much closer to Trey. I was a big oh. polo shirt with a thermal underneath, backwards hat. I uh, I think that Fred Durst may have had more influence on my life than I like to admit. <laughs> There's not enough backwards hats in this show, which is very OC. Seriously. 
Uh, yeah, that is that is mine exact as well. So that's why we did the shot. Uh, what is your comics connection of the episode? My comics connection, motherfucker. Let's go back to Doctor Kenneth Woodruff. Is that yours? No. Oh. I just I'm shocked. Okay. Or maybe you just want some more J's and you're hoping. Um, Doctor Kenneth Woodruff played the father of Kickass in the film Kickass. Really? Yes. One and two. One and two. He did not die. I think that. I remember the comic, but more than the movie. But I think that he was sort of the impetus. Like, didn't he get really beat up? I can't. He got re- yeah. He got really. He didn't get got, but he got very beat up. And then so did Kickass. Uh, and so did Big Daddy. Have you kept up with those comics at all? No. Uh, There's like a Kickass verse now. Yeah, that like, and I think they thought it was going to be a very big deal. Uh, that comic book, that Enterprise, that franchise. That their time came and went, and like it's, yeah, that's very early two thousand. I still like I have fond memories. Like the first movie was okay. I like the first comic book series, but like it's okay to just say say that that's very early two thousands. Let's move on Done. now. Uh, mine is, uh, and we have to say goodbye to him. I was shocked you didn't choose him, but Logan Marshall Green is the first shocker in Spider Man Homecoming. That is true, and now it's um. Isn't it? No, Scorpion. That's the guy from Better Call Saul, right? Yeah, Scorpion's Better Call Saul. And, uh, Bo... Fuck, what's his name? The guy who's looked the same age for the last 40 years. Paul Red. So good. Bo Keem. Woodbine. But he was in Fargo. That guy should be in everything. I fucking love him. Yeah, you would think that if you got Bo Keem Woodbine, you would then give Shocker more to do. But apparently, yeah. in all parts of the franchise, Shocker is just not going to have a lot. Shocker can't do shit. Atwood has got Atwood. I got I got. I'm sorry, Mike. But I got to do two here um, because this is our last episode with two Atwoods. Um, so do you have a Ryan or a Trey? I have a Ryan. Okay. So let me do my Trey real quick. Um, it is, of course, the thing that I keep referencing. I said that I was sorry. What do you want from me? Three seconds into a conversation. That's it's it's Trey's all time. Atwood's got an Atwood. Mm-hmm. And Daddy Atwood is probably like that. So This one was really hard. Ryan is not featured that much this is mostly a uh nickel show a a Mm -hmm. nickel family episode um and i know it seems like there's an obvious one there's one that we talked about for a long time there's one that has an action hero voice but i have to go with when he says i don't want to watch it happen to somebody else that i love that wounded soldier vibe that he gives off yeah I mean, th- think about how hard it is to, to make Atwood say something that like dramatic and affecting, and also have it be in character. You know, his character yeah. is sort of designed as uh, a purposefully one-note, simple person, and so we don't get a lot of these. You know, uh, my mine is the the basic bitch one you called out is when he said the line once and for all. He's got to take care of Trey once and for all. But I mean, that's quite the one-two punch. Like, yeah. Those might be two of the greatest Atwoods got an Atwood what of all range? time. <laughs> also, mine is kind of bunk, too. Because the award isn't best Atwood moment, but it's no. Atwood at its most Atwoodiest. And yes. so yours is definitely more of that. Why don't you pour another one, Kirsten? Oh, man. <laughs> the reception, right? I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's the reception, right? There is... This is... We've had a couple of final shows for some of these awards. We're like, we have to get rid of this now. Um, this is going to be the last. Why don't you pour another one, Kirsten? I don't know. We're, we we should think of something to replace it. But uh, mm. it's it, it's Sandy saying, "Jesus Christ, Kirsten, you can't even use a glass." 
She's walking around the party with a fucking vodka bottle. And then she starts to yell at him, and the bottle slips out of her hands and shatters, and she yells at him harder. It's not like, oh, no, no, I wish to think my actions now. This is your fault somehow. And she's so drunk, the thing that she yells at him is like, why don't you go get on your boat again and sail to Portland? <laughs> Sandy's like, that wasn't, you don't even know who you're looking at. And uh, finally, our final award for the final season is High Noon at Meta Mountain. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's obvious. Uh, Jimmy tells Haley, <laughs> okay, let's get our jizz. No, that's different. Oh, mine is a different Jimmy one. Okay, Jimmy tells Haley um, that, you know, Hawaii is going well and you would not believe the North Shore. And then Haley says, so I've heard because the reason that she left the show was so she could star on a different Fox show called North Shore. Good one, the and OC. And it lasted for like half a season? Yeah. Are we going to do a spinoff or like just a short detour into the North Shore and come back? If you are ever on a show at the level of Haley, like the level of character and the level of actress, like fame that she had at the, at the time, put in your contract. Thank you for letting me leave. I'm going to go away. Please let me back on. I will come back. <laughs> it's like seven episodes. The Maggie Claws from The Walking Dead. Exactly, yes. and they You they, know that cop show wasn't going to last. They were totally fine with it. They were like, of course you can come back. Uh, mine is a different Jimmy moment. It's when Sandy looks to Jimmy and says, you know, you left right before things got really crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that is all of the awards. That is dearly beloved. Uh, Ryan. Yes. Do you, want me to, I kn- do you want me to pitch next week's episode? Because I think that we're talking about the mall episode finally. Yes. No, we will never talk about No, I bet we, in a couple of years, we're going to do the mall episode again. Uh, Next week is episode 100. What the fuck? Should we do commercials before we tell everybody what we're doing for a special blowout episode 100? Yeah, let's make it, let's force them to listen to the commercials. Thank you to the Holophonics for doing all of our music. Uh, if you want to find the great song that has been going in the interstitials, I don't have his name in front of me, but when you look up Ska Hide and Seek, instead this guy with a weird vocoder shows up. Check that out. Uh, Ryan, websites, what do you got? Uh, yourpodfilter.com is where you can get all of our podcasts, all of our articles. Everything that we do goes straight there. It's your one-stop site shop for all of the OC, D, and other related things that we do. Uh, yourpodfilter.com slash... No, I'm sorry. Patreon.com slash yourpodfilter. Uh, that's how you can join our Patreon. Um, guys, there's a good chance that if you don't jump on soon, then you get no more OCD. So... <laughs> It, it may be moving. Um, so, yeah, go there. It's five bucks a month. And you don't just get the OCD. You get a ton of other stuff. Um, if you really want to support the show and get all the content that we've got, all the tent that's fit to bent is, I think, one of... Couldn't make more sense. You know what? If you choose the $5 tier, we'll come up with a better tagline. Or We'll let you do it. If you yes. think it's so fucking easy, pay us $5 and then come up with our tagline. Yeah, drink a bunch, talk for a while, and then you try to do it. That's patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Uh, if you liked the OCD, obviously, please rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend. You don't even have to know the OC. You will just still like this show. We also have other shows, the Superhero Show Show, where Ryan and I get led by our fearless leader, Cassie, every week, covering every single live-action comic book TVs of that week. Plus, right now, because there's not a lot, we're going through the old-school ones, and shit's getting weird, my friends. There's also Movie of the Year, where uh, we are less chipper, less friendly, where... Greg ruthlessly makes Ren and I go at each other's throat 
to choose who will he his be his best friend while also talking about movies of any specific year. It's usually uh, me because I talk gooder. Yeah, you maybe drink less whiskeys. Uh, so check those out. Uh, follow us at your pop filter on Twitter and Instagram. Ryan, what's a long form way they can get in touch with us? By the way, I just anybody who is going to re-listen to this episode, I want you to pay special attention to twenty minutes before the end. Uh, twenty minutes before the end. Mike said to me, I just made a Manhattan. And then just listen to the, the last 20 minutes with that in mind. And you can watch. You can, it all makes sense. You can listen to a brain of road right in front of you. I'm sorry. What am I supposed to talk about? Contact at yourpupfilter.com is how you can email us. Do you want me to talk? Okay. Your commercial was me drinking. <laughs> uh, scream, welcome to the OCD, bitch. And by scream, I mean type in all caps in your subject line for this show. Next week, episode 100. What are we doing? Oh, Mike, it's a doozy. We're gonna we're gonna throw a party. We're gonna have some guests. Um, we're going to oh Adam Brody. Yeah, no Adam Driver. I could not get Brody. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, hold on. I'm sorry. A dumb driver. Hey, kid. That's my Adam Driver. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> um, we're going to uh disc- We're gonna get into more detail about our favorite part of the OC, which is hide and seek by Imogene Heap, <laughs> and then. If you thought that thing was interesting where Mike said movie of the year pits me and Mike against each other, it's OC trivia time, me versus Mike. And we should uh, we should say who the guests actually are, right? So people care because they know it's not Adam Driver. Well, I think in a weird way, if you think about it, you're the guest because coming on the show is Cassie and Caitlin from the Unnatural 20s who helped me get through like 12 or 14 OCDs while you just split. And then you think that you can come back and... Just take, actually, you're the guest, buddy. The guest is I'm Mike. I'm the guest now. Until then, stay gay, dads, and get me those Green Lantern JPEGs Latro. And if I may finish, go bananas, go bananas, go bananas. If I may finish. Because it is what you say And it is what we need You decided this What you say What did she say? California, California